Well, I want you to take a look at Philippians chapter 1. All right, we have verses 19 through 26, and that was what I asked to be put up there. But if you don't mind, let me back up a little bit on that, okay? We'll get to verses 19 and 26, but it makes it a whole lot easier to understand whenever you read it in its context. And uh, I'm going to start back on verse 12, which is where we started last Sunday. But I think it will, verses 19 through 26, kind of grow off of that. The Apostle Paul is talking about what he's doing. He's, he's a prisoner of Rome, and uh, he was letting this church, which he loved very much, know how things were going for him now that he was a prisoner. And so I want to start with verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the people having, most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Well, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all, <clears throat> excuse me, at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And so convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with it all, with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. It just doesn't get a whole lot better than that, folks. That, really, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and it's one that I just can't get it out of my mind. It was back in 19, well, really, it was about December of 1995. I was going down to visit with one of my old friends uh, down in the area around Carrizo Springs in Crystal City. He and I usually would get together for a few days uh, in December. But I was going to stop by and see another friend of mine. He lived in San Antonio. His name was Jim Rubel. Jim Rubel was, uh, well, he was pretty well known in certain circles, particularly in the insurance world. Uh, he, was, he was a man who had done well financially, uh, but I know one time he invited me and my wife to be able to stay with them so that we could go to the Southern Baptist Convention. I really had no idea 
how respected he was across the whole nation as far as him in the work of ethics and insurance and stuff like that. But I wanted to go by and see him that December because Jim had lung cancer and I was afraid that if I didn't go by to see him that day, that day in December, I might not get to see him again this side of glory. So I wanted to go see him. So I stopped on the way in San Antonio and checked into a cheap motel and gave him a call and said that I was in San Antonio and I'd like to come by and see him. And he said, well, come on over. I'd like to see you. And so we sat down and we talked. I was interested in finding out what his prognosis was, and it really didn't look too good. But I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Joe, I'm going to go on and, and get chemotherapy and do whatever the doctors want to do. We'll give it a good try. He said, but the way I look at it right now, I am in a win-win situation. If the chemotherapy works, well, I get to be with my family and my loved ones longer. If it doesn't work, I get to go be with the Lord. And he meant that very sincerely. Well, it worked for about five months. <laughs> that was about it. And his funeral was, was a glorious occasion because he had departed to be with Christ, which was far better. A win-win situation, that's the way it was for the Apostle Paul. He said that what he wanted to do was he wanted to magnify Christ no matter how it was going to be done. He realized that really the future held one of two things only for him. His imprisonment was either going to end in an acquittal and he would be released and he could continue on with his mission work or it was going to end in a, a sentence of execution and he was going to be put to death. And he just really said, you know, it doesn't make me a big bunch of difference which one it is, you know. He said, if I live, I want to honor Christ. If I die, I want to honor Christ. In other words, that was what he wanted. He wanted Christ to be honored in his life or in his death. That was his goal, whether it was a goal for a few days or it was going to be a goal for many years. He wanted to honor Christ. That was his goal. I ask you today, what is your goal in life? What is it that you want to do? What is the thing that you're wrapped up in? He was, the reason that Paul was this way was that he lived a life that was consumed by Christ. He had, a, he had a desire to honor Christ in any way. And that is only done whenever your life is consumed by Christ. He was what we would call a Christocentric man. For him, there was no life outside of Christ. Think about Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. And the way, this is the way kind of it reads in the King James Version. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You took Christ away from his life and there would be nothing at all left. What does he mean when he says to live is Christ? Well, to live is Christ means that life is not just something to be endured. It is not something to be sent and spent in seeking pleasure. When to live is Christ, it means that you have a life that is not consumed with a desire for possessions or a desire for power or a desire for popularity. As a matter of fact, 
when we say to live is Christ, life is not even about certain good things such as family or education or religious activity. Yes, when we can say to live is Christ, it's not about how many times a year you go to church even. It is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. When living is Christ, Jesus Christ is the foundation for our living. Think about this. If it were not for Jesus Christ, you wouldn't even be here. The Bible tells us something that is just one of those mind-boggling things is that he is the one who's created all things. It's what it says, like in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says through, it is through Jesus Christ that God created the worlds. He is the agent of creation. In, in John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, we know how that one goes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and apart from Him, nothing was made that has been made. In other words, the only reason that you are here is because he put you into existence. As a matter of fact, whenever Paul talked about God to the, the people in Athens, he said that in him we live and move and have our being. We can say the same thing about Jesus Christ. In him you live, you move, you have your being. In other words, your, Jesus, your foundation for life itself is Jesus Christ. Our found in Jesus Christ, whenever to live is Christ, we would also say that he is our purpose for living. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Well, we'll back up to verse 28. You know that one. For all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he hath foreknown, he did also predestinate. And a lot of times people just stop right there. Either they get all twisted off because they find the word predestination in the Bible, or that's all they talk about is predestination. But if you're going to talk about predestination, you have to know the purpose. He said, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Christ is our purpose for living. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul is kind of, well, he's kind of chewing out the, the Christians there at Galatia in which he is saying how I wish or how I long for Christ to be formed in you. What is your purpose for living if Christ is your life? Your purpose is to be as much like Jesus Christ as you can be in this life. That is the thing that you and I must do. That needs to be our goal in life is to be as much like Christ as we can. That's one reason it's so important to read the Gospels and to read the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, and see what Jesus was really like and say, that's what I want to be. We don't want to settle for anything less than the best. You may rem Some of you may remember Chris Christopherson. Yeah, if you're my age or older, you, you remember Chris Christopherson. You know, and he came out with a song that really hit you know, went way up in the charts. Why me, Lord? I never particularly enjoyed listening to him, but that was just my personal taste. I liked the song, Why Me, Lord? But I didn't like to look at him or listen to him. Anyway, and he got on a religious kick there for a while and claimed that he was a Christian, been born again, and then he walked away from it. And he was asked why, and he said, well, I... 
I can't even be as good as Johnny Cash. Why do I need to try to be as good as Jesus? Well, that's not what we're talking about, is it? (laughs) Our goal is not to be like our best friend or our mother or anybody else. Our goal is to be like no one less than Jesus Christ. You say, well, it's impossible. Well, no, it isn't either. Because you see, Jesus Christ is our strength for living. We mentioned Galatians 2.20 while ago, where it says that, you know, I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I now live by faith, the Son of God. Understand what it's talking about right there. How, what is the strength that we have for living? How is it, matter of fact, you read in Galatians, later on in Galatians, about all these things that we call the fruit of the Spirit. And you say, how in the world can I do that? How can I produce that? Well, when Jesus Christ lives in us, he gives us the ability and the strength to do these things. Now, it doesn't all happen in a millisecond, but we grow in him. And we begin to see more and more of what Jesus Christ is really like and what he, he desires for us. If th- this is what it means, and this is what Paul meant, and this is what it means for you and me. To live is Christ means that we depend upon him for our strength. And Jesus is our hope for living. He is the ground of our hope. In, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about that we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why is it that we have any hope for something beyond this life and for a life that is wonderful and glorious? Why do we have that? It is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Understand this, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is nothing for us to look forward to. There really isn't. And I've probably said this before, and as much as we love to celebrate Christmas and as much as we like to focus upon the Son of God appearing in a hay manger and the shepherds coming to sing, if there was no resurrection after the crucifixion, there wouldn't be a Christmas. And there wouldn't be anything to, to celebrate. He, Jesus is the ground of our hope, and he is the object of our hope. In, in Philippians <clears throat> chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Jesus is the object of our hope. Now, when living is all about Christ, our death is going to be all about Christ. In other words, when we can say to live is Christ and to die is gain, it it is gain in more ways than one. It's quite often gain in the kingdom of God. I had a friend that he was... uh, well, we used to call them associational missionaries. Now we call them directors of missions. But I still like the idea of associational missionaries. His name was Peyton Moore, and he was the associational missionary. You know him? Yes. Peyton was uh, associational missionary in the Golden Triangle Association. Before that, he had been a foreign missionary in Vietnam back in the 60s. Matter of fact, he was one of a, a large number of missionaries in Vietnam that were flown out of there whenever it was getting a little too hairy. And then, you know, he was my associational missionary whenever I was in that area. And then after I moved up here, he retired, moved for, he moved to Fort Worth. 
and he died suddenly on a Sunday evening after church. He was talking to someone, I think, as I recall, he was witnessing to someone. Had a heart attack and died in the parking lot. You know, you don't forget those kinds of things. There are people that even in their death, Christ is magnified. There was a lady in our church in Mount Enterprise. Her name was, well, we'll just, we'll call her Mary. And uh, sweet, sweet lady. She didn't have just a whole lot. She had had a hard life. And she died suddenly due to some complications with the surgery. It was a shock. We were all shocked. But she was such a sweet lady. She was always praying for people. Never complained about how things were going for her in life. And between the time that she died and the time of her funeral, I know there was one lady who called me up that lived far, far away. And she said, I heard that Mary died. And she said, I just want to tell you what she meant to me. And then there was another woman that, that was talking to my wife and said, I just talked to Mary not too long ago. And Mary was telling me about how much Jesus meant to her and how he was so precious to her. And she said, and I'm going to go to hell because I, 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 I'm not going, I haven't done that. And that woman has since turned her life over to Christ. Isn't it something how there are certain people whose life is so wrapped up in Christ that whenever they die, all that a person can think about is that person's relationship with Christ? And now whenever, back at the first of this year, of, of last year, uh, I think it was January the 1st, there was one of the deacons at First Baptist Mount Enterprise that died suddenly of a heart attack. He was only 60 years old. I mean, he was one of these guys that looked like if anybody was going to be in great shape, he was. I mean, he didn't have an ounce of fat on him. He was just slender, active all the time. But the thing was, was you couldn't think of him without thinking of Christ. And it was one of the biggest funerals I've ever spoken at. I, I do not know how many people were there. I know that we filled up the sanctuary that First Baptist and then they did some streaming stuff out there in the big building. And I don't know how many people were out there, but it was just gobs of people. The thing was, was that you could, his, even in his death, he was magnifying Christ just like he always had in his life. Well, we could go on and on. I know another one. His name was Paul Johnson. He was a dentist in Denison, Texas. And, and Dr. Johnson was kind of, in some ways, he was an awkward man. He was, uh, he loved a good joke, but he could not tell a joke worth a flip. I mean, honestly, you know, it was just horrible. You know, he's just thinking, please don't tell another joke. It was awful. Some people thought he was a crackpot. Some people thought that he was just, you know, that he just got under their skin. But he loved to tell people about Jesus. I mean, he just loved to. And of course, we said that he, he had a lot of converts because, you know, whenever you've got a dental drill going inside your mouth and do you believe in Jesus Christ, there's a lot of people, you know, that said, oh, I believe. Even his brother thought he was a nut. But he wasn't. 
my mother used to work for him. I knew him and found out that he was just a sincere believer in Jesus Christ. He just wanted people to know about Jesus just like he did. And when his funeral was over with, his brother, who thought he was just a nut, came up to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, I guess my brother was a whole lot better man than I ever thought he was. Why? Because to Dr. Johnson, to live was Christ. And he could tell you right now, to die is gain. You know, you see, when living is Christ, death doesn't end life and it doesn't even interrupt it. In, in John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, He that heareth my word and believeth in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. In other words, he said, you know, what, is this, what it means is this, is that we do not even have to take a pit stop at death. It says, the person who believes in Jesus Christ already has eternal life. In other words, there's no break in the life that Jesus Christ gives us. We see also, and we see that same idea in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Meaning, that even when we appear to be dead to everyone else, we're very much alive in God's presence. Now, why is it that death is such a gain? Well, number one, it allows us to go to our true home. You know, we might, we might say that we're, we're just strangers down here. We're here for a short time because in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says our citizenship is in heaven. When death is gained for us, it frees us from this body of sin and sorrow. In First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, it refers to this body that we have as a tent. And you know what? These tents that we call our bodies develop holes and they wear out. There's something far better waiting for us. When death is gained, it also enables us just to be with Christ. He says, to be with Christ is something that is far better. Have you ever wondered how in the world that he knew it was far better? Hmm? You know, you say that you know that it's far better. How do you know? Have you ever been there? Well, you know something? The reason we know is because Paul did know. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 sometime. And in there... Think about what he has to say. It's kind of an interesting thing in which he said, I knew a man in Christ. Let me see if I can find this for you real quick. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Paul's talking about himself. This is a little autobiographical thing. He says, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. We don't know whether Paul was having a vision or in some way or another God 
drug him up and let him come inside and look around just a little bit. We don't know. The apostle Paul doesn't know what happens. All he knows is that he saw things that he said, I'm not even permitted to talk about. What we can say is this, paradise is being in the presence of God. Understand this, paradise is not just some halfway house to heaven, okay? Understand this, when Jesus was about to die on the cross, remember what he told the thief on the cross. He says, today you shall be with me in paradise. And people will say, well, you know, that's just kind of a halfway point. No, it's not, because before Jesus died, one of the things he said, Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. Now, folks, if paradise isn't heaven, uh, that's okay. <laughs> I want to go with be, and be with Jesus and be with the Father. That's what that is. And so paradise was just another way of talking about going into the presence of God, which is what we would call heaven. Paul said, I got to see that. <laughs> and I got to see things that cannot be described in human words <laughs> because we haven't coined the terminology for it yet. <laughs> now, understand this is that whenever to live is Christ and to die is gain, this idea kind of tells us something about the goodness of life. <laughs> you know, for the Apostle Paul, you know, life was not just something to be tolerated or something to be escaped. Life is good. Death was better. But the Apostle Paul was still hard-pressed to make a choice between the two. What it's telling us is this, is that as long as we are here, we need to seek fruitful service to God and to rejoice. Have you ever gone to church with some people who looked like they were weaned on pickle juice and they grew up wormy? I mean, really. I mean, you know, they have an expression on their face that would make you believe that they have never committed a single pleasure in their life. You know, that everything is just terrible. Well, that's not what it's about. I'm telling you something. To live, when we can say that to live is Christ, to die is gain, and, you know, and living with Christ is really not bad at all, folks. It ought to be good. There ought to be a joy in his presence, a joy in knowing him. I'm going to tell you, and I think that if you look back on your life, the happiest and the most blessed times you can think of were the times that you were walking with Jesus Christ. I know it's true for me. That's what I want to do. I want to be like him. I want to be conformed to his image as much as I possibly can. I want to rejoice in the hope of the glory to come. I want to be able to say to live as Christ and to die is gain. I want that to be my goal. What do you, want, do you want it to be yours? I hope you do today. Now, as we have, I guess, every Sunday now since all of this started, we offer an invitation for you. And if you want to pray with somebody, if you want to know more about how your life can be gained whenever you depart this place, and you don't know how that can be done, if you need to talk to someone about becoming a Christian, I'll be glad to talk to you. I'll be glad to pray with you when this service is over with. I'm going to be standing right up here, and you come by and say, we need, we need to talk. And we'll go somewhere, and we'll talk, and we'll pray together. Get your goals set right to live as Christ, to die as gain. You won't regret it. Let's pray. Now, our Father, we thank you. 
We thank you for sending your son into this world. We're thankful that through him we have hope, we have life, we have joy, we have, we have peace. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to the heart of every single one of us today. And we pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that don't know you, the hearts of those of us who are growing to know you better each day, so that you'd be glorified in us. Lord, we also want to pray for other things that are special needs and things that weigh heavily upon our heart. We pray for our government. We pray for our country. Lord, we just, we, we, it's hard for us to understand and comprehend all the things that have been going on. Lord, I pray that you would cause our country to, to have a renewal and revival. We pray for our sister church in Starville and the sadness and the tragedy that's taken place there. Pray that you would give them an extra measure of comfort, not only today, but in the days that lie ahead for them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.